0: Here's your host, A. Gregory Luna.
1: Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of Holistic Health News and Naturopathy Earth Radio. I hope you're doing well today. Before we begin talking about the benefits of being single, please visit the website naturopathicearth.com. There are articles published daily over there. A lot of them are recipes, a lot of them are some ruminations on how to lose weight. Some of them are contemplations on mental health. This week, there is going to be a new food recipe being published. Normally, I do about one or two a week of the kind of paleo, keto-inspired recipes. So go check those out. And you can easily print those out when you click on the article. It has a printable feature, so you can print it out. Also, guys, help us defray the costs of the website and enterprise. If you get anything out of this if this content, please hit the Patreon link on the episode notes and donate anywhere from a dollar to five to ten to fifteen to twenty to twenty five dollars one time or monthly. All that money, all of that big money goes to defray the cost of the enterprise because um, supporting a website and a podcast does cost some money. Also, consider buying my Memoirs, Confessions of an Obese Child, which you can find on Amazon Kindle and Barnes & Noble Nook for a paltry $2.99. If you have Amazon Kindle Unlimited, it's free. If you go down that route, please post a review. And Amazon. So if you click on any of the Amazon links... In any of the articles, because I think almost all of them have a hyperlink over to Amazon, anything that you purchase within 24 hours on Amazon, when you go through our links, we get a 2% commission at no expense to you. So let's say you look at the tiramisu recipe I did a week or two ago, and I have a picture of a processor. If you click on that processor picture, it sends you to Amazon. And as long as you stay on Amazon through that link go buy your purses and your electronics and I get 2% of that. So it helps you, it helps me, and it doesn't punish anybody. It's a service that Amazon offers us. So please consider doing that. And lastly, I'm a paleo-inspired certified wellness coach. If you're needing to have the toxins of your life personally eliminated, if you need some some guidance, a guru, like the way that word's a guru. If you need somebody in your life day to day to help you with helping you know which toxins to remove and cleaning up your diet and so forth, contact me. You know, as you know, I've lost a lot of weight and kept it off for a long, 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 long time. All right. Let's talk about the benefits of being single. Why did I pick this as a topic? Well, remembering the benefits of being single is important on days like Valentine's Day. Or on uh, perhaps your birthday or perhaps family occasions like Christmas or Thanksgiving when you look around and your siblings have their girlfriend or boyfriend or their spouse and you're, you look at the, the empty chair next to you and you have nobody and your mom is nagging you, Lupita, when are you going to get a boy? When are you going to get a man or Jacques? When are you going to get a girl, and you're all down, or you see all your friends going out, or your friends are having fun, or your friends are getting stuff spent on them, or they're they're saying they're getting a lot of sex, and you're like, God, I hate being single. Well, today's episode, the point is to bring up some somewhat salient points as to reasons why you should want to be single, why you should want to be single. Now, you might be thinking, Gregory, why are you just bitter? No. I've gone through, um, I guess, epiphanies, as you could call it, the last year or so, and I am currently single, so you could say this is an Axe to Grind episode. It really isn't. It really isn't. Similar to the episode I did almost a year ago about uh, ways to get over a breakup, some of my episodes are inspired by people I know especially the ones on alcohol and drug addiction because there's people I know. Uh, The ones on mental health like narcissism because there's people I know and I've been affected by them. And the one on breaking up, sure. I mean, we've all been broken up. We've all had relationships end. So yes, some of the topics I do, not like, is there chlorine in the water? That's not really inspired by personal experience, aside from me being in the swimming pool. But some of them are inspired by things that have happened to me. So yes, I am currently single, and I am happy to be single. And I hope to continue to be single for the foreseeable future. And when I mean the foreseeable future, I mean a decade or two. A decade or two. And I've learned this the hard way. All right, the hard way. So let's get to it. We're just going to name seven or eight reasons why it might be good to be single. Now, if any of you are married, this is not just cause to be going to get a divorce today. Like, oh, Gregory says, you know, these, these are salient points. So uh, well, I need to go get a divorce. These are just some reasons to help those who are unhappily single or wish they were with somebody, to maybe like little, little, little pinches of reminders why it might be good to not be in a relationship. All right, let's hit it. All right, the first one is probably the most salient or most cogent of them all is autonomy. Autonomy. Freedom. Freedom. Like, like Bell Gibson when he's getting uh, disemboweled and castrated at the end of Braveheart. Freedom! Freedom. Look, in simple, when you're single, you can do what you want when you want, where you want, with who you want at any time, with no one telling you not to do it or you can't do it. Now, this can't be understated. Some of you who are married can definitely relate to this, especially if you have a ball and chain, a woman or a controlling man in your life who doesn't let you do what you want, when you want, how you want to do it. This can't be understated. True freedom only comes about when you are independent, when you are alone, when you are not dating anybody. Because if you want Thai food, go get Thai food. If you want to go to bed at 8 p.m., go to bed at 8 p.m. If you want to go travel to Guatemala and you're and you have a spouse who's like, "I don't want to go to Guatemala. I want to go to Vegas." And then you're like, oh, and then you got to compromise or there's a fight. And see, all this can be avoided when you're single. When you're single, you can do what you want. If you want to get a dog, get a dog. It's true, true freedom. Now, if you talk to your married friends, a lot of them will tell you, they have to take their significant other, their SO, we'll just call them the SOs, uh, into consideration about pretty much every decision that they make. How to how to to invest their money? Oh, can I buy this two hundred dollar you know you know painting or two hundred dollars shoes for women? Like oh, I, my 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 husband or my boyfriend he, he might be mad if I do this, and so it's it's always like you have to have that into consideration. So it is possible for you to be in marriage and not relinquish your autonomy to somebody else. I mean that that that's the true definition of a good relationship is that you don't have your identity subsumed by the person that you're with and that you do have very good boundaries. And you tell your you tell your woman, like woman, look, I'm gonna go out with my friends. If you don't like it, tough. Or the woman tells the guy, I'm gonna go buy this stuff if you don't like it tough and there are a compromise look let's let's get the calendar out in terms of like movies and food. okay on this night you get to pick 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 those those are just examples same for travel, same for pretty much child raising everything. so you can be married or have an so and still have good autonomy and and if, especially if you have good boundaries because the mistake that some people make is they, always agree, like, I want Thai, and then the woman's like, no, I want Mexican, and the guy's like, okay, I don't care, but he really does care, he really does care, and he sucks that in, that resentment, and this is where passive aggressiveness comes out later on, right, and then later on some fight, you never let me eat what I want to eat, we always get what you want to eat, and then the woman would be like, look, you know, we, we could take turns, you said it was okay, but I didn't really mean it was okay, it was all of that. All of that can be avoided when you're alone. when you're single if you if you have the money, you can go to the airport right now and fly to freaking Singapore right and go see crazy rich Asians over there. You can do whatever you want. Now men listening to this would be like yes women like to be in relationships more than men and there's 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 some evolutionary re- reasons why that is women in particular, Marriage and relationships are good for them because it it latches on to the man's resources and has a man that can raise their children and so forth. True, like relationships, um, marriages, and so forth, are not necessarily beneficial to the man, which we'll talk about later on. So, so women really can't relate to this as much unless they have a super controlling. You got to text me, you know, every five minutes. You got to call me every hour. I'm going to beat you, kind of boyfriend. But in general, men can really relate to this because freedom. We, men are wired to be autonomous. We are the ones who explore the entire world alone. Uh, Think of the Revenant and DiCaprio. We, We have no problems being in the forest for like two years with no interaction. We are solitary people. Women can't. It's hard for women to be solitary. They need to be with their women friends, but they certainly also need to be with a guy. They need to be with a guy. So I can't underestimate the importance of autonomy and freedom and being able to do what you want, where you want, as often as you want. And no one can tell you what to do. And you can do whatever you like. All right, the second reason why you might want to be single, nag-free days, nag-free days. We all know this one. And, you know, with nagging, lots of times you don't see it in the beginning because you're not living together and you're trying to put the, your best foot forward. There's the old saying about the ambassador. He's tell us to Katie. It's like when people start dating, they, they don't really get to meet the real, let's say, hey, Gregory Luna. Uh, it's it, I send out my ambassador. So, like, the best representation of who I am. But it's not really who I am because unless you're really foolish or unless you're just completely unencumbered when you meet people you're going to hide some of your traits your tendencies your insecurities your addictions if you have any so you just send out the best person your ambassador so in the beginning they you might not see this right because nagging people whiny people don't really typically show that and if they do show it we more, no, normally don't see it because we're getting love bomb with all the dopamine and all the oxytocin but in the beginning, when you're getting love bombed and you're all lovey-dovey and all the, all the especially the hormones are kicking in, especially if you've had sex, uh, you don't see it. But once you start being in a long-term relationship and certainly when you start getting married uh, the marriage, nagging, the nagging, and, and I, I hate to, to generalize, but it's mostly the women. It's going to be women who do more of the nagging. I mean, that's why there's a stereotype of the nagging woman, right? So it'll appear later on. And it comes on pretty slowly, but it's it it could be as generic as, you know, you never clean. You don't clean up around the house. You don't take out the garbage. I need you to go buy me this. Why haven't you done this? Why do we always watch your show? Your shows are horrible. I don't like your friends. Why And then the guys would be like, I don't like you always on social media. You're always on Pinterest. Why don't you get off Pinterest? Why don't you cook better? Why don't you dress up more? Why don't you give me sex more? And it's just constant nagging from both sides. And look, is it possible to be in a relationship where neither person's nagging each other? Yeah, I mean, it's possible if you have mutual respect and you guys are conciliatory and negotiate well and you're attentive to the other person's needs, um... You could do that, you know. Like, like for example, like I used to tell my friends, when a woman nags a guy to clean the garage, okay. The the worst mo is to go up to the guy and say, "You never clean the garage. I told you two weeks ago to clean the garage. You need to clean the garage, or you can't go out with your friends, or you can't blah 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 blah. You know the threat, right? Guys will just say, you know, in their mind, it, it depends. You know, if they're beating down betas. They'll be like, okay. But other guys would be like, F you. I'll do it when I want to do it, okay? Okay, ball and chain, I'll do it when I want to do it. Because no one likes to be attacked, right? The best way to convince somebody to do something is to make it an incentive. Be like, hey, sweetie, if you clean the garage, you know, we'll do a little (coughs) of any way you want (coughs) to for the next week. Okay. Now, men are essentially cavemen. You know, we only only think about like, oh, food, uh, uh, sex, uh, shelter. So you got to think about like the physiological needs of the man. And that's probably one of the the easiest ones to figure out. So put an incentive into it if you really want somebody to stop. Now, if you want your woman to stop being on Pinterest all the time, yeah, I I don't even know because you couldn't do that incentive because women would be like, eh, or, Pinterest? Yeah, I'll probably choose Pinterest. So, man, you have to be a little more, uh, I guess, creative in figuring out like what kind of incentive you could do. Now, the easy incentive would be like, okay, you know, you, here's $100 and you can go buy whatever you want. But see... uh. I don't think that's necessarily the best approach because again, you're using, you're using finances and then you're setting a really bad example. So the woman now can just sit on her butt and not do anything. And then she knows, okay, you know, if, if, if I don't do it long enough, I know what he's going to say. He says, I can go buy this. It's similar with children when they throw temper tantrums uh, at home or in, in public. If you, if like my, like there was about, Ooh, about a month ago. Olivia, my youngest, we were at a supermarket Sprouts and uh, she wanted a lollipop. And I said, no. And she just fell on the ground. She's almost two. She just fell on the ground, crying, lying on the ground, you know, trying to get her away. And I just walked away. I was like, see you later. And of course, I didn't like leave the building. I'm just, you know, on the other side, peeking. I can still see her, but she can't see me. And then she just looks around, notices I'm not around. She gets up. And then she sees me and then she follows me and she's fine. So I'm not equating women to babies. Okay. All I'm saying is that it's not necessarily a good um, road to go down to tie financial incentives into getting people to do what you want. The best thing is just be kind and sweet. But going back to being single, when you're single, you don't have to worry about nagging and whining. If you like a messy garage, if you like a messy house, who gives a damn? Because you live alone. You live alone. If you like watching weird Asian action movies uh, like The the Siege or something like that, you know, no one else, who cares? No one's nagging you about it. So the benefit of being single vis-a-vis nagging is silence. Silence. Nobody's nagging you. You can go home and it's quiet. It's quiet at the house. All right, the third benefit of being single is money, right? We don't, we don't really think about this in terms of, of uh, we don't really step back and think about this, but this is definitely, especially in regards to men, because just the way the, the dating system is set up since, I don't know, the beginning of time, is that men will spend a lot of money on women. Look at Valentine's Day. On average, and you can Google this, I'm not making this up. On average, the typical man who's in a relationship on Valentine's Day spends $650 on their SO. $650. How much do you think the woman spends on a typical, a typical woman spends on Valentine's? I'll give you choices here 60, 160, 260, 360. The answer is sixty dollars. Sixty. The man is spending six hundred, the woman is spending sixty. If I got my math right, that's ten times the difference. So one tenth of the amount. That's amazing. So look. Been, and this, this again, th- this is going to be more related to the guy. So the first one, autonomy is more both sexes, maybe a little more toward men because men like independence and being alone. The nagging, I think, is more toward the men because men hate women who nag. You know, there's a the, there was a saying that I used to have going back to nagging. It's like, if you really want to p- have your man happy, and, and some of this, you, you feminists will say it's all sexist because you guys are just drinking the Kool-Aid. That's all you see. you see everything through the prism of sexism. But there's three things that if you want to keep your man happy and, and he's happy, then you'll be happy: is cook, sex, and don't nag. If you can do two of those, cook, sex, don't nag. If you can do two of those things. Not even well, like with cooking and sex, it's not even the quality, just be open to it, the quantity, just whenever he wants it. If you can do two of those three, the guy's going to be pretty happy. If you can do all three, the guy will never leave you. He will be ecstatic. And if you only do one of those, eh. But the nagging was, it's nagging, cooking, and sex. And really the cooking you can throw out because you can always get takeout. So really it's the nagging and the sex. Okay, if you want to keep a guy, don't ever deprive him of sex. Don't use sex as a weapon. Going back to that episode we just did on sex frequency. Don't ever use sex as a weapon and the nagging girls. But let's go back to the money. So men spend a lot of money on women, Right. And it's not just Valentine's Day. $600 compared to 60 It's not just Valentine's Day. right? We are taking you out on dates, buying you flowers, buying you jewelry, buying you, buying you, buying you. Now, the woman will buy some stuff for the guy, like on his birthday, maybe watch a tie. But in general, the man is spending more money than the woman. But this applies to both sexes. If you're not in a relationship, Unless you have some inflatable doll you're taking out to public. But even then, they're not going to eat. So you're saving money, a lot of money, especially if you're going to restaurants where it's $80, $100 a night because you're getting a bottle of wine and the entrees are $20, $30 each. Um, you're saving sizable amount of money by being single. And where can you put that money instead? Invest it, put it in your own hobbies, put it in your house, buy, the, buy yourself gifts if you want. You know How awesome is that? That is awesome, and this applies both to women too. If women, even though you're not spending nearly as much money um, on on the guy, you're you are saving some money. Now the guy will be like, "Well, I guess she doesn't have to buy clothes anymore to dress up and buy dresses." Yeah, but guys, you don't get it. Women women dress up to compete with other women, to show off to other women. The women are competing. Women don't really buy nice clothes uh, to to necessarily get the man so even if the woman is single a she's still gonna dress up to attract a man and b she still thinks she needs to dress up to compete with other women so money can't be underestimated how important it is because you will save loads of money for by just being single just by being single All right. Another benefit of being single is do it for your IQ. Do it for your IQ. Now, this, this is somewhat of a controversial study that came out a couple of years ago, and I'll see if I can add the links to the episode notes. But there was a study that showed that when you are in a relationship, and this is more toward uh, the men, but if you're in a relationship, your IQ drops a little. Now, this is not like a permanent IQ drop, like with fluoride in the water, where it drops your IQ by 10 points, especially if you're an African-American boy. Go back to those episodes I did on fluoride, and there's links to the actual Harvard study that shows that. But when men are in relationships, their IQ drops, and it's it's not necessarily understood why that is. I can tell you that some of the greatest minds of all time, like Tesla, for example, Einstein, uh, they were they were never married. And I think I think it's kind of like like the argument for the in, in the Catholic Church why priests can't marry. And it, and it goes to to Saint Paul. Saint Paul mentions I think it's in Corinthians where presbyters or priests, future priests, whatever, they, they, he says, it's like, you can't be beholden to two people. When you're married, you're going to be beholden to your wife. And it's hard to be focusing on your job as a, as a priest, a presbyter. And it kind of applies here. When, when you are single, there's nobody around to occupy your time, right? So you have time to do whatever you want and you can write, you can Ponder, which is something millennials have hard times doing because they're always on the phone, but you can just sit in silence and ideas can come to you. Whereas when you're always hooked on your phone and you're ever vigilant ideas, barely ever come to you. It's hard for ideas to come to you, but you have more free time and you have more creative energy. And I think that perhaps when you're in a relationship, especially if you're living with that SO, um, you might not have as, as much time to unleash that creativity could be something to do with the sex. You know, there's that old episode from Seinfeld where, where George, I mentioned this in the previous episode about sex, where George stops having sex and, you know, George is kind of a schlubby, not, not too bright guy, but he stops having sex and now he starts becoming brilliant and he's like a philosopher. And then he, uh, he eventually has sex again and then he gets stupid again. So, I mean, there, there could be something to be said for that, but... There is there is some uh, some empirical data showing that in fact your IQ does drop when you're in a relationship, and we want we want all those IQ points. Just so you know, in America the average IQ the IQ of America is 100. Our IQ is 100. Now you think, wow, that's pretty low. Well, actually, 100. Is roughly the same IQ as most of the countries in Western Europe, and the only the only countries that have a slightly higher IQ is China and I believe Japan. They're at 102, but they measure this. They measure the IQ, and one of the ways they do it is through the military because the military they have to do IQ tests. Now, the daunting thing is not to go off topic because we could have an episode on IQ. Is that the military doesn't really allow anybody in who has an IQ lower than 85. But if you look at the immigration that that we have coming into the country, a lot of these 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 immigrants come from countries where the collective IQ is under 85. So that's not good for the overall pool of, of the United States because IQ, despite what you might hear, even though you never hear about IQ in the news, IQ amongst generations doesn't really change. So Haiti, for example, the average IQ in Haiti is something like 80. Okay, And they've done studies where three generations later to see if after they've become, become acclimated, acculturated to the United States if it's gone up and it hasn't, it hasn't, there, there are connections between race and IQ and I'm not, and I don't, oh my God, Albert, Gregory's a racist. No, no, I'm just quoting stats guys. So IQ drop when you're in a relationship. Another benefit of being single is when you're in a relationship, it lowers your testosterone. Now, I've included a link in the episode notes, or I'm sorry, it's actually a link in the article. I wrote an article on the benefits of being single last week. And so if you go to the article, which is going to be under breaking news, under the, the tab for articles and then breaking news, you'll see I included a link to a YouTube video where it talks about this, but this this is generally not disputed at all. The IQ one is controversial because of course, there's certain parties that don't want uh, people to think, oh my God, your IQ is gonna drop if you're in a relationship. But the testosterone is pretty, pretty definitive here. So why is that? It's hard to say. Maybe when you move in with a woman, so the argument is that when you move in with a woman, a man's testosterone drops. Now, one of the reasons it could be, and this is free testosterone, uh, one of the reasons is because now you're with a woman and so you don't need as much testosterone. You're living with them as opposed to maybe when you were dating but living in separate places. The mind perhaps thought that you were still single and you could roam around and sow your wild oats. But once, you, you, once you're once you in a house, you're domesticated, I guess. And once you're domesticated, perhaps the the mind t- tells the testicles, hey, you don't need to make as much uh, testosterone because you're in a relationship. And so... um you don't need to make as much it's it's really hard to understand maybe if you're like living with a woman who has a bunch of daughters their estrogen is imbuing the house which then affects your your uh, your testosterone i think the, the the probably the more likely reason is stress so if you move in or if you have a lot of kids and they're with you all the time. And unless you have good coping mechanisms for stress, you're going to be stressed quite a bit. And we know the stress hormone is cortisol. And we know there is a direct link between too much cortisol and its effect to lower testosterone. So that is probably the the the, the, the main reason why men's testosterone drops uh, when they're in a relationship. It's because maybe they're stressed because maybe they're not happy. Or maybe they're just surrounded by women. It's hard to really, really know. But it does exist, that link. And testosterone, of course, is important because not only is it important for the man to look manly, but testosterone is responsible for sex drive in both both sexes. This is why when women go through menopause, it's really important that they use bioidentical testosterone creams down in the vagina and take oral testosterone because if they don't, Um, They will go through menopause and their vagina will dry up and and they're not going to be wanting to have sex. But if women use testosterone creams during premenopause and menopause, their sex life turns around. They want to have sex again. So testosterone is responsible for sex drive. And then in men, it's also responsible for, of course, reproduction and staying manly and And staying lean, too. There's connections between testosterone and staying lean. So go to that episode I did on the sham of low-T therapy and the ways we can naturally raise our testosterone. I think that's around episode 120. All right, another reason to be single and the benefit of being single is you get to avoid the cray-cray. Avoid the cray-cray. And simple... If you're single, you don't have to worry about crazy people. And look, crazy people are lurking everywhere. You women, for example, are more susceptible to being abused by narcissists. Go to that episode I did on narcissism. It's about episode, probably 140. Uh, you're more subject to that. Women, men are more subject to borderline crazy women, the ones who are going to key your car if you dump them, the ones that are going to you know kill your pet, like your, your pet budgie, my new pet budgie. And so, there's crazy people lurking everywhere. And again, they love bomb you. They hide it early on in the beginning. And any of you know, most of you know, relationships always start out well. If they didn't start out well, you wouldn't stay with them, right, to see where it goes. But relationships always start out well, and they almost always end poorly, like very poorly, like accusations, threats, Blackmail, extortion, and then maybe later on, especially if you have a child together or something like that, or maybe four or five years later, you might reconnect and maintain some you know, modicum of friendship. But one of the reasons sometimes they end is because you realize that they have mental health issues. Either they're controlling, they're abusive... They could have more extreme mental health problems like bipolar or schizophrenia. No offense to any of you who suffer from either of those two things. But, I mean, let's be honest. If you're bipolar or schizophrenic, you wouldn't want to be dating or married to a bipolar or schizophrenic. So, it's, it's, these are things that, that people hide at the beginning. And only when you're with them for a certain amount of time do you start seeing, like, oh, man, this person might be crazy or might have major mental health problems. Isn't it just better To avoid that altogether by remaining single, because if anything, you know, with single, you could always end up dating somebody else, you're not locked down. But crazies do lurk everywhere. Like it says in the Bible, the devil doesn't come with a pitchfork, he comes dressed as an angel of light. So you just never know. So just avoid the craziness, the potential craziness altogether by being single. All right. Another benefit of being single, addictions, addictions. This is similar to the mental health ones. Yeah. The person you're dating or your, your SO, your long-term relationship, your spouse could have major addictions that you don't even know about. They're going to F you up later on in life. So again, in the beginning, you're not going to see it. Oh, like, there's that episode of Friends from like season two where Monica starts dating. Uh, he's She's dating a guy that everybody likes. And then they figure out that he's only really happy when he's drunk. And so he realizes that. So he stops drinking. And then he becomes this morose kind of guy. And then Monica dumps him. And so like at the beginning, like we especially with women, with, with guys, if you notice that the, every time you go out, the guy's always getting drunk or the girl. At the beginning, you're like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. That's great. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, once you once you do the I love you's and you have the sex and all the suck, the, the, the sex hormones make you stupid and make you lose all your wisdom, then you're like, oh man, this person's a meth addict. <laughs> this person's a shopping addict. This person's a sex addict. This person is a food addict. And they've been hiding it. And only the true colors come out once they know you've been ensnared, once you're in the relationship. And some of these addictions... You know, kind of benign. Let's say they're addicted to cleanliness, They're OCD. Look, I mean, OCD can be a mental prison for those people. But hey, if you're living with somebody OCD, at least you'll have a clean car and a clean house. Now, if their OCD is really bad, like if you leave your clothes on the floor for like two seconds, they could yell at you. But in general, I guess that'd be one of the better addictions. But shopping addiction can bankrupt you. Gambling addiction can bankrupt you. We had that episode on daily fantasy. Not good. Drinking, of course. DWIs, bankrupt you, raging, all the issues with alcoholism. Of course, it's horrible for your health, too. And so, these addictions can end up destroying you. So, if you're single, again, you're not going to have to worry about these addictions because you're by yourself. The only addiction you need to worry about is the addictions you have, but you're not hurting anybody because you are alone. Whereas if you end up marrying somebody that has alcoholism, or drug addiction, meth addiction, shopping addiction. You're dealing with that forever until you get divorced or until one of you dies. That's a forever thing. So now you're dealing with an alcoholic, an inveterate alcoholic for the rest of your life. That's horrible. Talk about cortisol. Talk about cortisol. It's horrible. So just stay single. another reason to stay single is you're not going to develop codependent relationships with the people that you're with. Now, this is pretty common. I I would say that most couples have codependency issues. And This can be connected to uh, the addictions and the mental health stuff. So we we do have what we call like white knights, right? White knights are those who see a a damsel in distress, like she's going through a divorce or she's struggling at work or she talks about how her boyfriend's hurting her or whatever it is. And the white knight guy is going to come in and I will save you. I'm the white knight. Or the woman, you know, the guy is suffering from drinking or he rides his motorcycle and he's brooding and he can't connect and women are just that, I mean, that, that's like catnip to women because I got the Florence Nightingale issue, like, oh, I'll change him, I'll save him, I'll change him. You know, Einstein has that saying that I've quoted and I always, I, I never get the quote right, so I always make it too long, but it said, men, w- mer- men marry a woman and spend the rest of the marriage wondering what happened to that woman. And women marry a man and spend the rest of the marriage to try to change them into the man they want them to be. Both are inevitably disappointed. And that's his. That's his line, or it's attributed to him. And there's there's certainly some truism to it, especially with women trying to fix men and trying to change men. Certainly on the male part, that that is true. Men will marry the the young, spontaneous, loves to have sex, happy, carefree, and then he he looks at her twenty years later and she's bitter, angry, whiny, and you know, nagging, lost her figure, doesn't want to have sex, and all these things. And Men are like, what what happened? And, and I'm not being sexist. Both sexes are prone to doing this. So. Women try to change men, and they can't. So, anyways, we develop these, these kind of codependent relationships where, let's say, oh, my bird's trying to fly around. Let's say uh, the, the guy's an alcoholic, right? So, now the woman spends all of her time trying to fix him, trying to keep him off the wagon, and trying to keep him from not drinking, and then anytime he does drink, it's okay, it's okay, next time it won't happen. Or if he gets a DWI, she bails him out of prison, a jail. See, he's all, all codependent, or it, it can go the other way. The, the woman's got a, a shopping addiction or whatever, and the guy's codependent there. I mean, there's 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 various forms of codependency, and they're all kind of destructive. One person has the role of being the, the, the person who's messing up, and the other person's the person who's trying to save them. And it's just all very destructive. So the best way to avoid that is just don't be in a relationship. Okay, so those are just some some salient points as to why it's best to be single. Now, the retort for why to be in a long-term relationship or marriage is companionship and sex, right? Especially for guys, right? Guys are single, they're not getting sex. And if you're you're with a girl, you're going to get sex. Well, I would say yeah, I mean early on in a relationship, you are probably going to be getting a lot of sex. We did that episode just a, you know, a couple of days ago about sex. The couples in their 20s have sex about twice a week, and then couples in their 30s about one and a half times, and then couples in their 40s maybe once a week, maybe. Uh, But yeah, for sure, you're, you're more likely to probably be having consistent sex at the beginning. But I will tell you this, how many couples do you know that are in sexless relationships? How many marriages do you know that are sexless or have barely ever have any sex, either because the man doesn't want to do it and the woman still wants to have it, or the woman doesn't want to have it and the man does? Now, Many times when women don't want to do it, it's because they're using sex as a weapon. You know, they're, they're commoditizing the sex and telling okay, well, I'm not going to put out until you do this, this, and this. And then the guy does this, this, and this. And then the woman's like, oh, but you sneezed the wrong way. You know, she makes up some some foolish excuse. Oh, we're not going to have sex. And then the other way around, sometimes the guy's got low T or he's out of shape and he's just checked out. He, he could be hooked on porn. We did that episode where 50% of British men in the age of 30s have ED yeah because of porn you know they could have secondary impotence and so he's not wanting to put out so look yeah you might be getting sex in the beginning because the the sex Early on is kind of the the it, it serves two purposes. One, it's the love bomb to, to ensnare the other person in, so you both are ensnared in. Because sex again makes you stupid because of the dopamine and oxytocin and everything that blinds you. And it's the bonding stuff, right? Bonds you, you like it, you get hooked on it, and so it doesn't let you see a lot of the red flags. And so once you're doing the sex early on, it kind of benefits both parties to have a lot of sex. And so once you get the sex, you get them snared in, and now they're in love with you. And then at that point, you see a lot of couples either both the men and the women, but typically it's probably a little more the women, where they just start stop not having sex as often. And then the guy's like, "Well, we used to have a lot of sex, you know. I'm, I'm in a marriage partly because I want to have sex." And uh, yeah, and so you see, see, so you see couples that have less and less sex, and it and it's sad, you know. It's really, really sad. And so, we talked about the frequency of sex. So, even at the best case, on average, I know some of you are like, Gregory, I'm having sex every night. Well, that's, you know, that is fabulous if you're in your 40s and you're having sex every night. But, you know, the average is twice a week, even for people in their 20s, and that's the peak average. So, let's just say you are having sex uh, twice a week. Um, you know, that's great. But, again, sex is great. But should a relationship really be sought after if you have to deal with all the aforementioned issues, the addiction, the nagging, your lack of freedom, spending all the money, mental health issues, and so forth, just to get sex twice a week? I don't know. I don't know. Some, some men think that it is, and some women think it is. I don't know. I don't know. I would say that if sex is the main reason you want to be in a relationship, just know that most couples in general, especially once they get into their 30s or 40s and certainly in their 50s when the woman's menopausal or the guy's just falling asleep at you know 6 p.m. on the couch, uh, there's no sex. So, if you're getting into a relationship, a long-term relationship or marriage because of sex, just realize that sex statistically likely will dry up. So, sex probably isn't the best reason to to get in a relationship. Now, companionship, for sure. Companionship is a great reason to be in a relationship. However, the proviso is... what happens if you end up with somebody who you have nothing in common with? What happens if you end up with somebody who you just literally despise? At the beginning, you didn't see it because they were beautiful and you were having a lot of sex with them. And then you guys are totally diametrically opposed. You know, you're liberal, she's a conservative, or you're an atheist and she's a Baptist. And then you can't even spend time with each other. And then when you do, it's all like snipping and passive aggressive stuff or even just a verbal and emotional abuse. And so, do you really want to have that as your companion day in, day out for the rest of your life or until you divorce? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, an advocate for divorce, but I'm saying for the rest of your life, no. No, and also, how do you know that person's going to be with you forever, uh, with the divorce, 70% of divorces are instigated by the woman. So, yeah, you guys might think, I don't want to, and, th- and this is a common thing for, for married people who want to get married, especially if they're second marriage and, and they're in their 30s, 40s, and certainly 50s. The the mentality of, I don't want to die alone, right? It's certainly understandable, right? We, no one wants to be on their deathbed and no one be in the room with them. Or you don't want to be 65, slip, hit your head, and then you, you die and nobody finds your body for four weeks until the house is stinking and you know, maggots are eating you. We certainly don't want that. My retort to that would be, you don't know you're going to have a companion because they could divorce your arse at any time, even if you do get married. Even if you do get married, we know the success rate of second marriages is 21%. Statistically, that is 21%. Third marriages, it's 13%. So you have an 87% chance of divorcing if you're in your third marriage. And a 79% chance of in your second marriage. So if you're getting married, especially if it's your second marriage, and even if it's your first marriage, we know the the divorce rate there is about 40-something for rich people and 55 for poor people. Even then, it's a crapshoot. But certainly, your second marriage... If you're in your mid-30s or in your 40s and you decide to get married because you don't want to be alone, look, you have a good 21% chance of staying with that guy or girl uh, to the end of your life. So look, if you're marrying someone for companionship, I, I, you're, you're, it's a crapshoot because they could divorce you and you can end up being alone. And then you're alone and now for for men in particular, they're paying child support or spousal support or, or half of their assets have been taken away. And so now you have less money than you did when the relationship started. Unless you married a really wealthy woman, but in general, statistically, men typically are making more money in a marriage than a woman for various reasons, which we're not going to go into today because this episode's already running long. So, I would tell you the two main reasons to 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 get married: the sex and the companionship. You you need to really look through that because neither of the things could end up being around when you're sixty years old with the with the woman you are. And so then you've sacrificed all the other things like independence and the nagging and the addiction to have this opportunity. And then you have this opportunity. And now you're not even getting sex or companionship. All right, let's finish up. Okay. What are my parting thoughts? My parting thoughts are this. Being in a relationship are very overrated. Now, it's it's hard for some people to see that because we've been raised on Disney, right? Women have been raised watching Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, the one, the one, you know, prince charming. And, and so, we have this idea, both men and women, of romance and we should be in a relationship, right? We're like wired, conditioning through millennia of religion and societal norms that we have to grow up, reach a certain age, get a job get married, have kids. Now, that order, of course, nowadays with the illegitimacy rates skyrocketing, it's like 50%, 66% of the black community. Sometimes it's have kids and then get married or maybe not get married at all and just be on welfare and essentially be married to the state because the state will take care of you. But, but in general, if you talk to most men and women in, in their 20s, younger 20s, they'll say, yeah, I want to get married and have kids. I want to get married and have kids. What I'm saying is that maybe just step away from that paradigm and realize that given the exorbitant divorce rate, given the, the secular community that we live in now, where, you know, back in the old days, when, when when we were really imbued with religion for the last 2,000 years, divorce was relatively rare. And I really don't want to talk about what I think about no-fault divorce in general, but uh, divorce was rare. So, yeah, you would be with that person. Now, you could be with that person for the rest of your life and they couldn't divorce you, but yeah, they could be nagging you and they could be you dealing with all their addictions and, and all the other reasons that you might not want to be in a relationship. But either way, you had that kind of consistency. But I would just say step away and realize that there's no shame of being alone. You know, there's this stigma of being alone. I think this is probably more in the women's area, right? We used to think that women who were single at 30 were going to be spinsters. I think of like Jane Austen novels, they'd be spinsters their whole life. And there was this shame of not having a husband and not having children. We are not in that era anymore. I know several women who are single and they don't want to get married. And uh, because they don't want to take the chance of, of some guy taking their resources. They're wealthy women and they don't, you know, they could do a prenup, but they don't want to risk it and they like their lifestyle. So look, if any of you have been divorced and you've been, especially if you're a guy, you've been divorce raped, which is a term essentially where the woman takes half of your assets and you're paying child support for the next 15 years and you never get to see your kids. But if you've been divorce raped, or in general, if you've suffered from divorce, a lot of people who've been through divorce don't want to be in a relationship again and, and they find freedom. They find freedom and they like being single because when when you're single, and this is one of the things I didn't bring up today, is when you're single, of course, you could date whoever you want, right? When you're in a relationship with an SO or you're married, you theoretically can, unless you're having an affair. So, Why not just be single and just travel the world, spend money on what you want, enjoy silence, enjoy your Thai food, and just go on dates. If you want to date, if you want to date, I'm not dating again, ever. But if you want to go on dates, that's great. But enjoy that, that that freedom. And I think a lot of women, in particular, don't they get scared about being single. There are women, like I mentioned, Uh, Like my friend Megan, for example, they they want to be single and they they enjoy it. But there are women that I know who like I gotta get married as soon as possible. I gotta get married. I gotta get married, and and they they never develop their own identity. And I think it's very important, crucial to our self actualization, our self esteem, to find our own identity. And it's extremely hard to do it. When you're in a relationship, so if any of you end a relationship, and hopefully not because of this episode, but if you ever end your next relationship, and let's face it, everybody, most relationships fail and end. You if you look statistically, um, they fail. I mean, all, the best relationship is going to end with death. You know, and I and I say that people are like, well, you're going to kill your spouse. No, I mean, one of them die. One of you dies, either you or the, or your spouse. But in general, we have a horrible track record in dating. You're not—you're probably not dating your first love that you met when you were 17. Most people go through three, four, five, ten failed relationships. So look—if you're in a relationship right now, especially, especially if you're not married, but certainly even if you are married, but especially if you're not married, look at that person. You're, that relationship's going to end. Statistically, it's probably going to end. And so when it ends, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get back on Bumble or Tinder or Match or eHarmony. You've got to find the next person. You don't. Find yourself. Find your identity. Embrace autonomy and freedom. Enjoy it. Be your own person and do the things that you couldn't do when you were shackled in a relationship and enjoy the freedom. But most importantly, find yourself. Because look, one of the reasons that divorce rates are so high in second and third marriages is because whatever baggage you had that undermined or jeopardized the first marriage, unless you go to counseling and fix it, is gonna be there later on in the second and third marriage and it's likely gonna undermine and sabotage that relationship. So you need to do what I like to call the deep work. And I've used that term in other episodes where we talk about mental health stuff and addictions. You got to do the deep work and figure out what makes you tick, what baggage you're bringing and try to fix that baggage. But my greatest takeaway is being in a relationship can be overrated. Now, are there unicorn relationships? You know, that mythical one where they've been together 30 years and they're still very happy and they're both having sex and there's no anger and resentment? Yes, absolutely. There are some relationships like that. Absolutely. And I would say most of those relationships are going to be ones that are very religious, religious relationships. But, you know, it could be just in general. Yes, there are those. Are they the majority? No, not, I would say anecdotally, no. The majority of people I know that, that have been together for a prolonged amount of time are not happy. And they actually envy single people. They really do. A lot of them stay in relationships uh, because of religious reasons or because they don't want to break up the family and think it's going to hurt the kids. And those are all understandable reasons. And I went through all those reasons prior to my divorce. But my point is, you got to find your identity, find your freedom, and enjoy being single. So the next Valentine's Day rolls around and you see everybody and you're single and you see everybody going out on dates or you see everybody in particular men if you men if you see other men at the grocery store buying the valentines card and the candy and rushing and buying all this stuff look at their eyes just look at their eyes most of them unless they're young naive men most of them hate it they hate valentines day because they feel like they got to spend all this money right average is 600 dollars they got to spend all this money and go through this perfunctory nonsense of buying cards chocolates flowers you know, and all those things make no sense, right? Flowers die, chocolate's going to make you diabetic and cards while you read it. And then what are you going to do with it? Right? It's a waste of money, the cards. And so you look at their eyes and see, they, they don't seem to be too happy. So look, if you're single now, enjoy your singleness, be single, be autonomous and enjoy it. And if you are in a relationship with somebody right now, Ended if you think it's an unhealthy relationship. I would definitely recommend if you feel like it's codependent or if, if, if it's weighing down on you or you're no longer happy. I will say that one of the reasons that divorce is so high now is because you know, in the old days, marriages, we understood because you were married for life back when we were religious and definitely back before no-fault divorce that marriages would go through years of, of, of lulls, right, and years of peaks. It go up and down, up and down. You can't, it's very difficult, I would say, to sustain a marriage on a very high plateau. So, in the old days, we would understand, you know, marriage, you'd have a marriage lull. You might go a year, two, three, five years of the marriages not clicking, not clicking. And then, because you stuck it through because of the kids or religion or finances, it, it, Perks back up and it goes back to being great. And you're like, thank God I didn't divorce and this really this relationship's great. I'm glad I have this person in my life. Sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. So you kinda have to have discernment and know which trajectory your relationship is going in. But in general, guys, don't feel bad if you're single for Valentine's Day or on a holiday or your birthday. Don't feel bad. Look at other people. Look at all the horrible situations that you could be potentially in with the aforementioned stuff that I've talked about, and just smile and enjoy the silence. All right, guys, that's all I have to say take care. Please hit the subscribe button. It takes you two seconds. And please post a review for Holistic Health News, Confessions of an Obese Child, and Katie's Essential Oil Apothecaries. Until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to NPE Radio and Holistic Health News. Visit our website at naturopathicearth.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holistic News Now and at our Facebook page at Naturopathic Earth. Please consider a donation at patreon.com slash earth. Buy the confessions of an obese child ebook on Amazon or Barnes & Noble Nook. Consider subscribing to our podcast. And as always, please post an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this. And remember, the core belief at NPE, let food be thy medicine, let nature be thy healer. Until next time, music courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.